You know, it's interesting just hearing the comments of this theme of the presence of God, the Spirit of God. It's one of the things that draws people here. It's one of our core values. Like, it's what we pray for and go for is that we would be a Spirit-led church. Um, and that's not just what happens up here or in this room. It's, it's in our community groups. Um, it's, it's just infused in everything that we all are filled with the Spirit, and uh, it's just the vital piece of our lives. Uh, it's just good, good time of worship. Thanks, Jake and the team. I invite you to turn to John 10. As you're turning there, um, this is actually, uh, this week is uh, five years in this building, um, which is crazy. Up on the screen, you'll see a picture like, um, yeah, Tom Weber took that back in the day. Uh, isn't that, I mean, where did five years go? That's just nuts. So just thought I'd uh, share that. Also, um, something really cool that happened here in the building a couple weeks ago, our, uh, the ministry for our, our kids, our kids' ministry, the Gen Now ministry, um, they have, uh, on Wednesday nights, they have this, it's Trail Life and Gyms, and uh, so they had a, like a lock-in a week, like a week ago Friday, Friday night and Saturday. And the news coming out of this ministry, we have families coming that, that aren't Christians, but they're bringing their kids here, they're bringing their boys here. And what they're telling Beth, it's, it's amazing what they're saying, because the one, they're saying, look, if we would go to church, this would be the church, <laughs> which I love that. Like, I mean, who says that, right? Um, if we go to church, we, we would probably come here. But what they're drawn to is these dads, these guys who are investing in this next generation now and pouring themselves into them, lighting things on fire, blowing things up, um, teaching them how to siphon gas, which is something every man should know how to do. Um, and they're pulling the word, they're pulling Christ in the middle of this. And so these boys, are, they're growing up going, dude, you, you can be a dude and follow Jesus. And uh, our, our vision is disciples making disciples who reach this world. And I'm telling you what is happening with these young women and the moms that are investing in them and the dads that are investing in these boys and doing it together in a community, that, that's disciples making disciples. And I, just, I want you guys to know that. Like, there are some incredible things happening on Wednesday night. And I just want to say thanks to all of you who are serving and pouring yourself into those kids because um, it is making a difference. Um, and one last thing, just body life and family life. Um, many of you know, or may not, some of you are newer, so you may not know, but Barb Sharp, this, raise your hand, Barb. You just got to raise your hand. This is Barb's last Sunday. She's moving down to Florida. And so if you know Barb, after the service, we're just going to get around her and pray for her, and uh, you don't have a choice um, about it. But just to be able to say goodbye to Barb, um, we'll see her again, obviously, but uh, I want to do that. So um, let me read John 10, verses 1 through 5 here as we begin. It says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man's a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door or enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, 
but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And this figure of speech Jesus used with them, uh, they had no idea what he was talking about. They all kind of said, it doesn't say this here, but uh, in the Scott, Brook, Scott Brooks version, it's like, okay, that's, that's an important review. Good, good stuff there, Jesus, thanks. We have no idea what you're talking about. Sheep and shepherds are kind of a big deal in the Bible. God is called the shepherd over 40 times. I think 25, 30 are in the Old Testament, New Testament, the, the other remaining ones. John 10 has a lot of the references to God being a shepherd in the New Testament, like a lot of them, just right here in this section. God is the shepherd. We're called the sheep. Not exactly a flattering description. Check out this clip. What do you want? When do you want it? How do you want it? Who's your daddy? <laughs> it goes on and on and on. We're called sheep. Sheep uh, have a natural instinct to follow. It's just in them from day one, little lamb following the older lambs, adult sheep following adult sheep. You can have a whole flock of sheep going along a trail, single file or two by two, put a rope out in front of them. They have to hop over right there at the beginning, and they'll start hopping over it, take the rope away, and every sheep at that point will still hop over it because they are following the one in front of them, even though there's no rope. Sheep are known to follow each other off cliffs, follow each other into ravines, follow each other into peril, can't find good food, can't find water. Sheep need to be led. Sheep are incredibly vulnerable. When threat comes, they either cower and, and get down and just kind of kneel down, which is a great response, or they try to run. They have no defense mechanism. I mean, it's just sad. Like, none. They need to be protected. You and I, in a spiritual metaphor here, are called sheep. Man. God is called the shepherd. Over and over again, you see this in Genesis, you see this in the Psalms over and over again, you see it in the prophets, that God is called the shepherd. The shepherd is, is the one, actually in Jesus' day and before then, and obviously for centuries afterwards, the shepherds didn't have electric fences, they didn't have the wire fences they could just set up around, they didn't have these big pole barns, anything like that. All they had was themselves, and the sheep obviously were, were their wealth, their inheritance, their means of, of food, their means of clothing, their means of money, everything. So the shepherds had to be with the sheep. They were always out on the hills, in the plains with their sheep, watching them, guarding them, watching them eat, then taking them in at night. 
The shepherds were the ones that would actually go before them. They wouldn't drive them. They would walk in front of them, and the sheep were trained to hear their voice and would literally follow them wherever they led. God says, I am the shepherd, and you are the sheep. It's this metaphor throughout Scripture, and one of the most famous passages of Scripture about shepherd and sheep is Psalm 23. A lot of us have memorized that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want as a sheep. There's this one verse in the Bible in Ezekiel. Um, It happened around 600 uh, B.C. or 580 B.C., something like that. Israel uh, had split. Northern kingdom had already been destroyed. Southern kingdom was going to be destroyed by Babylon and, and Ezekiel's prophesying destruction. And in Ezekiel 34, God turns to, he says, spiritual shepherds. So there's this other category of shepherds, and those are the people, the political and spiritual leaders of Israel. And he goes at them in Ezekiel chapter 34, and he says, I've got a special judgment for you. I am going to make you pay for what you have done to my people. You have destroyed them. You've led them away from me. You've robbed them. You've beaten them. It like goes on and on and on about the spiritual shepherds. And then at the very end of, or not the very end, but towards the end of Ezekiel 34, he writes this one statement, which is fascinating. He says this, And I will set over them, after all the judgment is complete, I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. And he will feed them, and he will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And Israel forever saw this as a messianic or a uh, Messiah-related prophecy. They're waiting for that one true shepherd to come and to care for them and lead them. And this is what Jesus says in verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all come before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not listen to them. I'm the door. If if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, and he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own sheep sees a wolf coming and leaves, and the sheep... And the, or leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches him and scatters him. He flees because he's a hired hand. He doesn't care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they'll listen to my voice, for there'll be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it up from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again, and this charge I, I receive from my Father. So Jesus launches in this whole thing about sheep and shepherd, and it seems completely unrelated, except it isn't. See, uh, go back 150 years from this point, and there's this moment in Israel's history, the, Greek, the Greeks had conquered Israel 150 years earlier, about something like that, and the Greek empire was on its way down, and Israel had been under their oppression, and there's this guy named Judas Maccabean. He leads this revolt against not only Greece, but also the spiritual leaders who had been compromised and had begun to, to worship idols and bring idols in and lead the people again to go the other way, to to follow other gods instead of God, and they even brought this stuff into the temple. 
And so Judas Maccabean leads this revolt. He kicks out the Greeks. He kicks out all the, what you would say, are the false spiritual shepherds, the thieves. And he dedicates Israel. He dedicates the temple again to God, and he calls people to start worshiping God again. And they call it the Feast of Dedication. We call it Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the Hebrew word dedicate or dedication. So they celebrate this every year for a week in December, our calendar December. They celebrate this and they tell the story of the false spiritual shepherds and the bad spiritual shepherds and how Judas Maccabean pulled and his, his band or whatever pulled Israel back to be dedicated to the Lord. And they talk about Ezekiel 34. Like, it's a thing. They talk about spiritual shepherds and, and false ones and good ones and everything, and they celebrate what's been done. That's why Jesus starts going into this, because if you read verse 22, it says this. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. So this is all in their minds, this idea of spiritual shepherds. This idea of looking forward to the Messiah out of Ezekiel 34 and even the call to say, we don't want to ever go back there. Let's follow our shepherds who lead us to God, right? So all of this is going on, and Jesus stands up here, and he says this. He says two things. He says, I am the door. So now we have the third I am statement. The first one is, I am the bread. I am the, what was the other one? Help me out. I just had a blank. The bread and what? The light. Whoever said the light? I see the light. The light of the world, the bread of life have already been stated. This is the third one. I am the door. And if you remember these I am statements, um, hearken back to Exodus when Moses is saying, hey, God, who do I tell the, the Israelites and the Egyptians that sent me? Because I, what do I say to them? He, and God introduces himself to Moses and gives his name. He says, I am who I am. And Jesus making these statements is, is really standing here and declaring, I am God, and he's taking these titles that have been God's. And so here he says, this new one, he says, I am the door. And what does that mean? Well, there's two pictures up here on the screen that you're going to see of ancient sheep folds, is the word. These are both in Israel. These are ancient way old, and if you notice, there's a gap there on the left. That's the doorway, right? And they would make these sheepfolds out of the land itself if they could. I mean, why stack rocks when you can just use uh, the geography? Go to the next one. Or they would stack rocks like this. And there was also, they would have branches, thorns, thistles up on the top of the wall, so it'd stack it up really high so that nothing could jump over it and no one could jump over it without really getting hurt. And, and, and there would be an opening here. And sometimes they would kind of weave something together. There'd be a door. But most of the time, it was just the shepherd himself being the door. He would sit there. He would camp there. Nothing could get in except through him. Nothing could get out except through him. I mean, they all understand that. And that's something that we're not necessarily familiar with, but they would all get that because they've seen these throughout the countryside. They walk by these. They know these. And so Jesus says, I am the door. The door is a statement of saying, 
a spiritual, as I, I've got to go with the physical and then go and translate it into the, the spiritual metaphor. And what he is saying is, I am the doorway into the sheepfold, into the, the family. I am the doorway into pasture, and, and I lead people out. That's what he says. I, I'll lead people, they'll follow me. He says, I'm the doorway for either one of these things for spiritual life, as it were, and leading people and caring for people. Nothing gets in except that I say, and nothing gets out except that I say, and I protect. There's a protection piece of this thing when he's talking about the thief and he's talking about the wolf. There's a protection as the door. And he's saying to you right now, I am the door. I am the one that has let you in. I am the one that leads you out to pasture. I am the one that wants to give you, he says, not just life, right? I I love that. Abundant life. Life abundantly in verse 10. The Lord is my shepherd. So he says, I am the door. And then he moves on and he says this second one, I am the good shepherd. And he says it twice, once in 11 and once in verse 14. Circle these things. These are, these are these massive statements in the book of John. And it's a claim. It's, this one's a claim pulling into Genesis, pulling out of Psalms, pulling out of Ezekiel and other passages where God says, I am the shepherd. And he's laying claim to the title as God. It's a staggering claim. And he's like, I am the shepherd you've been waiting for all these years that we're even looking for here in Hanukkah. I'm that guy. And he goes on and he contrasts himself between hired hands and the the real spiritual shepherd. And the hired hands are, are the, it's a shot at, you would say, probably the political and spiritual leaders of his day. And it's obvious. The hired hand, he doesn't, they don't care about the sheep. They don't own the sheep. They're not going to die for the sheep. If any danger comes to them, they just, they just bail. And, and he contrasts that, and he talks about this spiritual metaphor. So he's talking about how a good shepherd always lays down his life for a sheep to protect them, right? But now translate this. They don't know what's going on, but now all of a sudden he is shifting in and talking about what is about to come. It's an Easter egg, right? When he says, I will lay down my life for my sheep. I'll lay down my life for my sheep. I'll lay down my life, he says it three times, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down fourth time of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down the fifth time. You think Jesus is trying to say something? He's he's reaching into the future and he's saying, don't think what's about to come was an accident was just some kind of, whoops, (laughs) lost control of that one. That escalated quickly. It was all intentional. He planned on dying, and through it would never lose his authority and power, but would have it all along, even to take his life back up again. And no one understood it at this point. It's this claim of Ezekiel, I am the good shepherd. And he goes on and he says something else in this spiritual metaphor. He says, my sheep know me, right? I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
Verse 14, I know my own and my own know me. He says it back up in verse 5. A stranger, they won't follow, but they'll flee from him because they don't know the voice, right? The sheep follow him in verse 4 because they know his voice. Read on down in verse 25. He says, I, he keeps on explaining. He says, I told you you don't believe because they're saying, why don't you just tell us plainly you're the Messiah? Because they know what he's saying here. He's, he's getting, they know what he's saying and he's already said it because they've tried to stone him in effect. He hasn't outright said it and he keeps going, I don't have to play your games. And so he says, I told you and you don't believe the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. He's like, I've said all this stuff but you don't believe because you're not among my sheep. And he says this again, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who's given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to take them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one and in that moment they start to pick up stones. They want to kill them. My sheep know me They know my voice. Do you hear the voice of God this morning? Do you recognize the voice? Some of you maybe even listening here in this room for the first time or you're drawn here and and there's a voice calling you. Some of you, if you're online, I I know if you're just starting to check this thing out, you're hearing the voice of God maybe for the first time and you don't even know how you know, but you know you're hearing something. How many of you here have, have been following Jesus, the good shepherd, and you know his voice? You hear his voice. There's this true story told of uh, this village that was behind on taxes. The government came in, took all the sheep um, and put them in this big pen. All the sheep from all the shepherds, they just indiscriminately just put them all in this big pen and to punish the village until they would pay their taxes. This widow came to the guy who was guarding it, and she said, I need my sheep. I'm a widow. I have no other means of income. I have no other means for food, um, and I I need my sheep. And the guard was like, I am not. There's no way we can separate these things. I'm not helping you out. And she said, no, please. And just keeps begging and begging. But he's like, how am I even going to know? She says, I have 25 sheep. I have 25 sheep. Just please let my son play his flute and we'll get our sheep. And he's like, right. He says, okay. So he lets this mom, this widow, her young son who has one of these little reed flutes, and he starts to play a tune. And he gets right there at the door of the sheepfold and plays his tune. And there's like two or 300 sheep in this big pen. And pretty soon one sheep head goes up and then another, and they start making their way to the door. And the the boy starts walking away, playing his flute, just walking back. And pretty soon, one, two, three, 20, 23, 24, 25 sheep. Only 25. None of the other sheep paid attention because they didn't recognize the shepherd. And she walked out with all her sheep. You know, a couple weeks ago, I asked permission to tell the story. Um, so a couple weeks ago, there was a, a guy here who was just, who's been searching for God 
and uh, found himself in here. Someone in our church who loves him just said, hey, why don't you come? Invites him. And so he's sitting here two weeks ago in our service. And I'm just sharing that story out of encounter where two people were surrendering certain aspects of their life to God. They were hearing God, and God was saying, it's time. I want you to give these things up, surrender them. And in those moments of surrender, they, remember how I, I described them feeling heat, like each separate circumstances, and just hot. And as I'm telling this story, this guy back here um, had been struggling with a chill for over three weeks and could never get warm and could never get the chill away. And while I'm talking about this and what's going on with those people encounter, his whole body just, it's filled with warmth. He walks out of here. He comes back the next week, which is last Sunday. Comes in and, and his friend is here and um, about to come in and he's, and he's just like, I, I don't want to come in. I just need to process what's going on in my life. And while we're worshiping here, he ends up saying yes to Christ and following his shepherd over there. What I love about our good shepherd is he wants to bring everybody in. He wants to do good things for people even before they even start to follow him. Like, that's just our God. That's our shepherd. Like, he wants to pull everyone in. He says, I got sheep that aren't even part of this. And he's referring to those who aren't Jews. And he's saying, I, I'm going to pull them in again, and we're going to have one flock, and I am going to be the one shepherd. And some of you may be hearing from God right now. And, and you may be hearing that voice, and it's this inner it's hard to describe. Everybody experiences it differently, and maybe it's audible. Maybe it's just a knowing. Maybe it's a sense, but Jesus is saying, follow me, and maybe today is the day. What makes it possible for us to follow God is that he laid down his life for us. I invite you to get out the cup. I invite the team to come up, the worship team. Jesus said this. If Jesus is the good shepherd, I want you to just let this sink in. Jesus said this. I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life. And instead of sheep, I want you to put your name in there. Don't just make it plural. Put your name in there. The good shepherd laid down his life for Scott. The good shepherd laid down his life for I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for Scott. I want to bring him in. I lay down my life for Scott that I could take it up again. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. 
Do you remember the, the wolf coming at you? you remember the shepherds, the false shepherds, the hired hand, the, the vulnerability, the, the fear, the life without the good shepherd? And Jesus comes and he says, no, the whole reason I came was to save. There's a lot of reactions to Jesus in chapter 10. Some wanted to pick up stones. Some said he had a demon. Others are like, he doesn't have a demon. How can he say these things and do these things? They end up trying to stone him and arrest him. And yet it ends with, there were other people, not in that town, but in another town that started to believe. And maybe this morning during communion, as we think about Jesus laying down his life for us, his body broken for us, and his blood poured out for us to bring us life, abundant life. We just tell him again, we believe. We believe. Let's take it. As we go into this time of worship, if you know Psalm 23, I just invite you to say this with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm 50 years old, and I'm still a sheep. How old are you? We never outgrow being vulnerable. We just never outgrow it. We never outgrow needing him to lead us, needing him to protect us, needing him to lead us to pastures, needing him to just comfort us in the valleys. We never outgrow it. And he wants it that way. What if in these next few minutes, minutes you and I just say, lead me, lead me, lead me care for me. Let me hear your voice again. If you haven't heard his voice in a while, just tell I want to hear your voice again. Talk to me. Care for me. Put me in a pen and just make it, make me know that I'm safe. Show me the pastures you're leading to. Show me that, that abundant life. Like, I want abundant life. Like, this time. Teach me what surely goodness and mercy 
will follow me all the days of my life. Like, I want the goodness of God. I want the mercy of God. Like, give it to me, Lord. I'm your sheep. Care for me. Your shepherd. goodness is running out it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down I'm surrendered now I give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me we sing your goodness your goodness is running after it's running after sing that out your goodness is running after it's running after me with my life laid down I surrender now I give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me just sing your goodness your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. We believe that. Your goodness is running after, it's running after. 